Well, it's good to be in church on Sunday night. That was a little weak. Some of you didn't get a good enough nap this afternoon. It's good to be in church on Sunday night. Oh, that was much better, much better. Take your Bible, if you would, and open it to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking he'd lost his mind. He has no idea that he was already in Philippians chapter 3 twice today. He just, he's lost it. Well, no, I, I am still in possession of my faculties for at least today. So uh, I I can't promise anything for tomorrow, but I still have my mind today, and we're here on purpose. So when you find Philippians chapter 3, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? We left off in verse 15 this morning, and we're going to start in verse 16 tonight. And it says this, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good day that we've had together. Thank you that we can be back here tonight again and rejoice together and sing together and fellowship. Lord, thank you that we can open your word And we can allow your spirit to use it in our hearts and lives again tonight. And God, that's exactly what we need. And that's exactly what we ask you to do tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here's what I want to preach to you about tonight. Where is your conversation? Where is your conversation? You see, the the walk of the child of God is important to God. There are, there are folks who would tell you today that God does not care how you live and what you do. Uh, all He cares about is what's on the inside and the outside doesn't matter at all. He doesn't care how you look and He doesn't care where you spend your time and He doesn't care any of those things. But you have to ignore an awful lot of Scripture to believe that. Because God seems to care about it an awful lot. And he tells us over and over how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. You see, when we get saved, that moment when we realize that we're lost, we need a Savior, we can't save ourselves, and we abandon our works and all the rest, and we put our faith and trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, an amazing thing happens And it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 5, we go from being dead to alive. It's an amazing thing. We we don't just change our mind about a few things. We don't just change the direction that we're going. The truth is, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's not just 
changed a few things or walking a different way, he is now a different creature than he was before. He's something completely, totally different. In Ephesians chapter number 5, at verse number 8, it says that we go from darkness to light. Not just walking from a place of darkness to a place of light, but it says this, for ye were sometimes darkness. He doesn't say you were in the darkness. In Ephesians 5.80 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. It's an amazing verse. You see, it's a completely different thing. It's not just that you were in the darkness over here, and now you've decided to step over into the light. That's not it at all. You were the darkness. And when you trusted Christ, you became light in the Lord. And the end of verse number 8 in Ephesians chapter 5 is a, is a wonderful phrase as well. After saying, you were sometimes darkness, and now are ye light in the Lord, there's a whole separate little sentence at the end. And it goes like this. Walk as children of light. In other words, you were that. Now you've been completely changed. You're a new creature. You were dead. You were alive. But now you're alive. You were darkness. Now you're light. So, walk like it. That sounds like God cares about how you live, doesn't it? To walk like uh, as children of light. In other words, if you are that, then act like it. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Why in the world would you want to say, I am this, but I'm going to dress and act and talk and like this? That doesn't make any sense. That That's completely opposite of what God says. God says, if that's what you were... You don't want to be that anymore. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were darkness. You were that that thing that had no hope and no help. And when you trusted Christ, all that changed. You became light. All of a sudden, you became a new creature. All of a sudden, you went from death to life. You're completely different, and now you need to live accordingly. You see, many times you can figure out where somebody is from just by watching what they do and listening to what they say and how they talk. You really can. You can learn a lot about a person just by listening to them and watching them. Have you ever seen somebody in town and you said to yourself, they are not from around here? Whether it was the way they were driving or what they were wearing when they got out of their car, whatever it was, you said, you saw them get out at the, at the Walmart and you said that they're not from here. They're from out of town, and you might know where they, you might not know where they were from, but you knew they weren't from here, just because of the way they acted and and what they did and how they dressed and all the rest. We've been up in in uh, in Canada several times this year, and we always have a wonderful time up in Canada. You know, I'm I'm from Alaska. I spent all my life in Alaska, and the Canadians don't understand they live in the South. You know, when, when we were going to go visit relatives in Minnesota, we would, we would drive, uh, you know, all day to get to the border of Alaska and Canada. And then we'd head into Canada and it was like it, we're going into the south. This is so exciting, you know, and it's just so nice and wonderful and warm and everything. And they don't even know. Amen. And we were up there this year a couple of times and just had a wonderful, wonderful time. But there are some things, you know, Canadians, they look like us. But they're not us. 
They don't think like us. They don't talk like us. They, they're, they're different. They, they end a lot of their sentences by saying, eh? You hear somebody talk to you and they say, eh? And, and you know, that's not one of us. That's an imposter right there. That's a Canadian. They say things differently than we say them. Now, there are differences all around the country. You know that. But Canada has its own stuff. And you get up there and you know right away, this is not a northerner or a southerner or an easterner or a westerner or whatever. This is this is one of them from up over the border. That's what this is. Uh, we were uh, eating with some folks one night before church and and there was a young couple. I think they had gone on staff at the church and, and we're just talking, you know, and there's a bunch of people around the table and asked the young lady, you know, where was she from and all this and and when when did she start doing this and that? And she said she she accidentally gave up where she was from. She said, I was in grade 10. I said, you're a Canadian. She said, how did you know? I said, because you just said grade 10. Nobody in the United States of America says I was in grade 10. They say I was in the 10th grade, but not a Canadian. Oh, it's grade one, grade two, grade five, grade ten. They don't even know that we can spot them. Amen? But you can spot them if you're watching. All because of the way they talk. Listen, all over the country, it's, and it's not a, it's not a north, south, east, west thing. It's whether you grew up in the city or whether you grew up in a, in a rural country setting. You can tell uh, what what kind of background somebody has by how they say things. You see, city people have breakfast and they have dinner. Uh, excuse me, they have breakfast and they have lunch and they have dinner. That's what city people do. People who grew up not in the city. And it didn't matter if you were in the north or the south or the east or the west. If you grew up in the country in some rural area, you know how it's supposed to be. It is breakfast, and it is dinner, and it is supper. That's what you have. A- am I correct? Uh-huh. How many of you grew up with lunch? How many of you grew up with dinner at noon? Uh-huh. See, I know about you. Amen. Listen, my, my folks were from Minnesota. They were from Minnesota, but they were from farms in Minnesota. And you know what we always had? Breakfast and dinner and supper. My father took a dinner bucket to work every day. It wasn't some sissy little lunch pail. No, it was a dinner bucket and it was as big as a barn. It would hold a lot of food too. And he took it every day. Listen, you hear somebody talking about dinner at noon and you know they did not grow up in the city. You know they didn't. And you hear him talking about supper. Listen, we're going to the marriage supper. Yeah. You can go lunch if you want. Amen. (laughs) God's having a marriage supper. It's not a dinner party. It's a marriage supper. Amen. That's just to help you feel better about yourself right there. Listen, if you can, if you can watch and look at people and get an idea about their background and where they grew up and who they are and you can learn some things about them, does it not make sense then? that somebody ought to be able to look at a child of God and by the way they talk, 
and the things they talk about and the way that they act and the way they conduct themselves, they might say, aha, I know where your home is. And it's not here. It must be in heaven. Because you betrayed yourself with your accent and your words and, and your habits. That's what he's talking about in this passage in Philippians. Look, if you would, down here in verse number 17. He said, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. First of all, he's talking about the earthly, fleshly life. These people who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, he said their God is their belly. They serve pleasure. Everything is about my pleasure and what makes me feel good and what I want. Listen, that's permeated our society today and it's permeated Christianity today. Everything has to be something that makes me like it and enjoy it. And, and the music has to be the kind that I want. And the preaching has to be the style that I want. And the, everything has to, the room has to look the way I want it to look. And everything has to be right or I'm not coming back. Listen, that's a lousy way to pick a church. And yet that's what people do. They do. I promise your pastor in the office here at the church, whoever answers the phones, you get calls from people coming in the area. And they call and they say this, what do you have? What do you have for for children? What do you have for teenagers? What do you have for senior citizens? What do you have? And what they want to know is, what do I get if I come to your church? Now, can I just be honest with you? That is a fleshly way to find a church. You don't go to church for what you can get. You go to give and to serve. And in the, in the process of all that, God gives you everything that you need. And you get all that you need. It's a wonderful thing. It really is. But their, their God is their belly and they're always looking for pleasure. It's, it's a seeker-sensitive model. That's popular today. Give people what they think they want, and then sneak the gospel in. Just about the most seeker-unsensitive person you will ever read of their sermons and their teaching would be Jesus Christ. You go back and read the red letters in the Gospels. Read the words of Jesus. As he's preaching to people, speaking to people, he practically chases them away sometimes. I mean, he says stuff just to see who will leave. Really. And then looks at his disciples and said, are you going too? That's what he did. Just He literally just chased them away and then asked the disciples if they wanted to follow. That's not very seeker sensitive. <laughs> That's just the opposite. Amen. He didn't give them what they thought they wanted. He gave them what they needed to hear. He said, these are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. If that doesn't describe where we are in the world today, I, I don't know what does. The things that, that honestly we shouldn't even have to talk about or mention in public, you have to now. Churches all over the country rewriting their constitutions 
so that they state clearly in there that there's only two sexes, male and female, and you are one, so pick one and stay there. Amen? There's not more than that. There's not more options, and whatever one you were born, that's the one you are. No matter what you do, that's what you are. And you have to rewrite everything so that someday if somebody walks in and 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 all of a sudden there's a problem and they want to be a Sunday school teacher singing the choir and you say no, you can go back to it and say we've already stated that we, we don't accept that and it's not going to work here. That's ridiculous. You should even have to cover that stuff. You shouldn't even have to talk about that stuff. We were We were in a meeting and that it had been a long day. We were all finished. We were back at at our trailer, and we flicked on the on the TV, and on the television was the Food Network. Now, there's a lot of stuff all over television that is just so vile and and wicked that you just simply cannot watch it. We figured watching some people compete in some cooking would be fairly innocent, and it was. It was fairly innocent. And then there was a commercial. A commercial, a yogurt commercial. They're selling yogurt. And this woman gets out of bed and has some yogurt, and it's delicious. And then she goes back over to the bed. And why you need to do this, I do not know. She goes back over to the bed and sits down there, and there's another woman in there. Now, that doesn't have to be in the commercial. That doesn't sell yogurt. That doesn't make me want more yogurt. But now I have to sit and talk to my children about the commercial we just saw while we're trying to watch some people compete in cooking. I shouldn't have to do that. And now I don't have a choice. Now I have to do that. And you're in Walmart and you see a man in a dress and 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 now you don't have a choice. Now you've got to talk to your family about that when you shouldn't ever have to. You really shouldn't have to. But in the world that we live in today, things that should be a shame are the glory. It's what everybody celebrates. And if you don't do this and try that and and accept this, then there's something wrong with you. And that which shouldn't even have to be talked about suddenly is the thing everybody has to, uh, everybody has to applaud. We live in the middle of this verse. He said they're enemies of the cross of Christ and their glories and their shame. Listen, it's just as bad in the religious realm. We have people running around in Christianity proclaiming that because they're free in Christ, they can do anything they want. They can go get tattooed and pierced and and all manner of stuff, and they can say anything they want and dress any way they want, and they can drink the booze, and they can they can smoke, and they can do this and that and all. And, and it's all okay because they're free in Christ. Do you understand that's not freedom in Christ? Freedom in Christ is not freedom to do things God has already said don't do. That's That's violating the Word of God. Freedom in Christ is that I can serve Him not because I have to do it to get saved or stay saved, but because I just love Him. But because I am saved, I can serve Him and I'm free to do it. I'm not under bondage. I can serve Him with a clear heart and a good conscience. It's not freedom to sin. That's not freedom in Christ. That's a perversion of the Word of God. 
What's the problem? Well, what should be a shame has become glory. And now we elevate that kind of stuff. He said they mind earthly things. What's the problem? Well, they have no spiritual life. He said, I've warned you about them before. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. They mind earthly things. All they're concerned about is the physical and the earthly and what's in it for me and what makes me feel good. You go to any any party church where they're free in Christ. And that'll be the philosophy right there. It's all about what makes me feel good and what do I like. It's not about what can I do for the Lord Jesus Christ and what does he want from me. It's what can I get that makes me happy. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, said, I've warned you before about people like this because their end is destruction. Listen, if you choose to live an earthly and fleshly life, you say, could a saved person live like that? I believe they could. I believe they could. But the end is still destruction. Oh, if you're saved, you're going to be saved forever and you'll never go to hell. But you can completely destroy this life. You can ruin it. And you can cause other people to go to hell because of your poor testimony. He said, don't do that. Make sure, make sure you don't do this. Instead, in verse 17, he said, mark those who, who follow after and do right. As your example, your ensample, don't be those who follow the flesh and fleshly desires because the end result is destruction. In Psalm 1 verse number 6, it says, the way of the ungodly shall perish. The devil lures you in with promises of freedom and pleasure. But he does not deliver freedom and pleasure. He delivers bondage and destruction. That's what he always delivers in the end. It's all just a lie. So you, you don't need to listen to that preacher and, and your parents and those people. Ignore everything they have to say because they just want to put you in bondage. You run away from that and be free. But that's not freedom. That's not freedom at all. You can ask, listen, this is, this is Sunday night. You could probably find some. More likely you would have found them last night or Friday night. Some drunk wallowing in their own vomit in the street. Ask them if they're free. Because there would be a day when they said, don't tell me I can't drink that or I can't smoke that or I can't shoot that in my arm. I'm free. But they're not free. They're in bondage. Because they'll get up from there and they'll go do it again. They're in bondage and it is destroying them. You see, the devil promises freedom. But what he delivers is bondage and destruction. In Romans chapter 6, we don't have the time to read it all, but you ought to read Romans chapter 6. It's good stuff. It's a, it, you know what it tells you? You're going you're gonna to be a servant no matter what you do. You can be free from God and be a servant to sin. Or you can be free from sin and have everlasting life. You, you're going to be a servant one way or the other. You'll either be a servant to righteousness or you'll be a servant to sin and flesh. But you'll be a servant. You just better choose the right master. There's only one that has your best interests at heart and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So nobody's going to be my master. I'll be my own master. Well, you'll destroy yourself just as surely as somebody else will. The only way to be successful is to let the Lord Jesus Christ be your master and you be his servant. In Romans 6.20 it said, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. And the very two verses after that, verse 23, says, For the wages of sin is death. Oh yeah, you can be free. You can be free from God and free from the Bible and free from righteousness. But the end result is death and destruction. And that's not really what you want. But then, then the tone changes. Look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Now you understand when you see that word conversation in your Bible, it doesn't just mean us talking to each other. It means far more than that. Oh, it includes us talking to each other, but it includes our whole testimony and our whole life. So he says, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation from the day that you get saved is in heaven. You're now a citizen of heaven. You are a resident who's not there at the moment. Amen? But you will be. And you get to go home. The preacher was talking to the young people about going home. Do you ever, do you ever get that excited feeling when you hadn't been home for a long time? Maybe the home you grew up in and, and you're finally getting to go back after years for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something and you're going to see your parents or your family and folks you haven't seen along and you just get all excited, don't you? I mean, you just, just the thought of going home. Well, that's how we ought to feel every time we think about heaven. Because that's our real home. You you know the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. That ought to be true for the child of God every single day of our lives. We're looking for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation is in heaven, and that's where he's coming back from to get us. He's there preparing a place according to John chapter 14, verse number 3. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. It doesn't matter who denies he's coming back. He's coming back. He said he was coming back, and we are looking for him to come back, and he will come back. Amen? Say, but it's been so long. That just means we're closer than we've ever been. We are. Listen, people who thought he was coming back a hundred years ago, we're a hundred years closer than they were. Amen? All those people said, well, he'll come back in the year 2000. I'm sorry that he didn't. That would have been nice. But we're just, we're just 19 years closer now. I don't know when he's going to come back. Listen, 2019 would be fine. We got a couple good months left in this year. This would be a good time for him to come back. I don't have any problem with that at all. And if he wants to come next year, the sooner the better. The sooner the better. He's coming, and I hope you're ready. But then look at the end result. Verse 21 is an awesome verse. We're looking toward heaven from where the Savior is going to come. Then it says this, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. How does that that fleshly life end? Those enemies of the cross, it ends in destruction. 
How does the life lived after the desires of God end? With a brand new body. That's exciting, isn't it? Some of you need one. I need one. (laughs) That'll be wonderful. And you'll be able to eat all the chocolate and lasagna you want and never get fat. I think that's in the Greek or something like that. I can't find it in my Bible, but I think it's in there somewhere. I just feel in my heart it's probably true. Amen. And then drink Diet Coke with that, of course, just to offset it. You think of heaven the way you want, and I'll think of it the way I want. Amen. We'll get a brand new body. Oh, yeah, you can live after the flesh here. And you can have a few minutes of fun and a lot of pain and destruction. Or you can live after God here. And then you get a brand new body that'll never die. And it'll never get sick. And it'll never get old. And it'll never have the aches and the pains and the problems that these bodies have. In First John 3, verse number 2, he said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Sounds an awful lot like verse 21, doesn't it? We're looking for the, our Savior to come back, and when, we, when he does, we're going to get a brand new body fashioned like his. What a wonderful promise that is. 1 John 3, 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Someday, for the child of God, can I just be honest with you? Your payoff is not here. Now, the best life you can have in this world is the life of a child of God. Because it works. Amen? It works. Even even cults who follow biblical principles in their lives have better lives here. Because it works. The child of God has the best life on this earth. But this isn't the best part. This goes away and it goes away quickly. And because of this fallen sin-cursed world, all of us, if the Lord tarries is coming, we're going to die somehow. Some will get old and sick and die. Some will have diseases. Unfortunately, some will die younger. That's what happens. We were, we were in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee this past week, Friday night. We were going down the road, headed, headed back to the hotel and they had blocked off the road because somebody had decided to walk across the light. And when the police got there, he was dead and the body is laying in the road with a sheet thrown over it. And the ambulance is there, but they can't pick up the body because it's a crime scene and all that, and traffic's going around. I promise you, whoever that was, he didn't plan for that to be the end of his Friday night. That was not in the plans. And you can pretty well bet it was some tourist who'd saved up a bunch of money to come and do some stuff and have some fun with his family, and that is not what they planned. But that's what happened. We have no promise of tomorrow. This life is short. That's why you better be ready for what comes next. Where you get a brand new body in the presence of the Savior. We'll be heading back to the house in Kentucky, Franklin, Kentucky, tomorrow. Right next to our house is a little church. The, the man who pastored that church for years and years 
His name is David Pierce. Wonderful man. He's in his mid-80s now. And he had to step down as pastor about three years ago. I think he was 82 or 83 at that time. Because he had been sick and he'd had some heart issues and, and, and some things going on. Wonderful, unique man. He was saved in Fort Worth, Texas in, uh, J. Frank Norris's church. J. Frank Norris was his pastor, baptized him when he got saved as a nine-year-old boy. That's where he grew up, went off to Bible school, pastored churches all over the country, ended up in Franklin, Kentucky for years and years, right next door to our little house. Wonderful man. Just wonderful man. I met him on a, on a missions trip to Mexico. We were riding a bus into Mexico and preaching in villages and 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 passing out tracts and Bibles and and been my friend ever since. He had to resign that church because he'd had a heart issue and and then he fell and he had some problems and it just it wasn't going well. And it was shortly after he resigned that his body began to stop making blood cells. And his skin began to turn color and he began to lose weight and all kinds of stuff. And he'd go into the hospital and try to figure out what was going on. And they'd give him blood transfusions and then he'd look good for a week and then it would start again. And to this day, that's been probably three years ago, they still don't know why his body is not making blood cells. And they keep trying different things and and he is a fraction of his former self. And he's he's just shriveling up. What's happening is that he's dying right in front of us. That's what's happening. And his wife knows it, and his children know it, and everybody knows it, and he knows it. And when we get home, he comes over. He rides the golf cart from the church. He comes over, and they don't deliver mail to our house anymore because we're not there. They deliver it all to the church. And he delights in loading it up on the golf cart and bringing it to the house. And we stand around, and we talk for a while, and we just have a wonderful time. We had a tree cut down while we were at home the last time. And he and his wife came over on the golf cart to see what the yard would like, look like now without that big willow tree in it. Wonderful, wonderful man. And he told me last time, he said, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with all this. He was going back into the hospital and they were going to try something else. He said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready to go. He said, I'm just, I'm ready to go. If the Lord wants to take me, I'm ready to go. You know what he's looking forward to? He gets a brand new body. The one he's in now is failing. It's falling apart. It's not going to be with us forever. But the next one, that'll be around forever. Because that'll be a body just like our Lord has. That'll be a glorified body. Several of you have asked about my mom. I told you about her last year, some things she was going through. And and uh, the fact that she's in good spirits. She's... She's in assisted living now. We went and we saw her in August. We spent, we spent a couple whole days in her little room. It's like a little efficiency apartment. And we just had a great time. She's in good spirits. She laughs and talks and jokes and we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. We smuggled in some ice cream and some popcorn and some diet coke. And then she was, the, the little guy came in and asked if she wanted, if she wanted to eat, uh, lunch and, and, and she just said okay and, and then we reminded her we were gonna go get McDonald's. 
She loves McDonald's. She, there, you can offer her anything in the world. You can, and I've done it. I did it this time. I said, Mom, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get you food to eat today. What do you want? Do you want pizza? Do you want fried chicken? Do you want Chinese? What do you, you just name it. Do you want us to bring you a big steak? And as I'm listing things like that, each one she's, she's going, mm, mm, mm. And I said, well, how about a, how about a hamburger from McDonald's? And her face lights up. She, yes, that's what I, and French fries. And, and, mm-hmm. So we went and got hamburgers and French fries. And, and we did that two days in a row. I mean, we just, we just pigged out. We just had a great time and she was having fun. It, it was all good. Her memory's worse, but her spirits are good. I don't know if I told you last time, but just before she went into the assisted living, she had Fallen down the stairs and, and, uh, and they found her there and, and we decided she couldn't stay at home alone. But we were sitting there one night before she went in and, and, uh, she said, I'm, I'm ready to go home now. I said, Mom, you are home. This is your house. She said, No, I, I, I want to go to my house with my room and my bed and my stuff. I said, Mom, your room and your bed and your stuff is right down the hall. This is, this is your house. She said, no, I'm ready to go home. And she picked up the phone and she started dialing. And she was, she said, I said, mom, who are you calling? She said, well, I'm going to call Don. That's my father who passed away 18, 19 years ago. She said, I'm going to call Don and have him come get me. Well, she was dialing the house number. That's the only number he ever had was the home number. And she's dialing the house number on the house phone and, and it won't ring. And, and then she's, she thinks the phone is broken. And now she's upset because the phone won't work. I said, mom, do you want me to call? She said, yeah, you call him. So I picked up my cell phone and I, I dialed the house number and she's still holding the phone in her hand. And it started to ring and she got all excited and she answered the phone and, and I said hello and she said hello and she thought it was my dad. And she said, oh Don, I'm at Mark's house and I want you to come get me. I'm ready to go home. And I said, really, you should spend the night there. It's your house, your room, your bed, your stuff. She said, no, I want to come home. I said, you, really, you need to spend the night there. She put the house phone down and she looked at me and she said, he wants to know if I can stay here tonight. And I put my cell phone down and I said, well, of course you can, Mom. This is your house and that's your bed and that's your clothes and all your stuff. She picked up the phone again and she said, he said, we can't stay. <laughs> my mother lied right there in front of me. She just lied, bold faced. And I finally said, no, no, you really need to stay. And, and she said, okay. And she put the phone down. And she said, he won't come get me. And so she went off to bed and everything was fine. We had a great time in August when we saw her in the assisted living place. It's it's a nice little place. It really is. And she's got her, her little love seat and she's got her recliner and she's got her little dressing table and she's got her bed and she's got all of her stuff and pictures. And, and, and quite honestly... I think sometimes she thinks she's home. She She's at that point where she's not really sure where she is sometimes. And we explained to her where we had just come from and where we were going. And and that was a little bit confusing to her. And and that we were going to try to get back and before we had to leave Alaska. And, 
and all that. And, but honestly, she's doing well. But you know, she'll, she'll be 91 in October. She'll be 91. And that means that we're getting closer and closer to what comes next. And you know what that is? <laughs> A brand new body. A brand new body. That's not confused. That, that's not, you know, trying to figure out who's who and, and who's there and those issues will be gone forever. And it won't be long. Listen, there is much to look forward to for the child of God. You got problems and you got struggles and you got all kinds of stuff that's not the way you always thought it was going to be. Well, I'm sorry. That's the way life works out quite often. But for the child of God, your payoff is not here. It's there. And one day, this is all over, and you get a brand new body, and you get to be with the Savior, and you get to be with those who are already there. And listen, we just, last Saturday, last Saturday, we sang for a funeral in Fairbanks, Alaska. We couldn't go. There wasn't enough time. They they called. They said, can you come? There simply was not physically enough time because it takes from this side of the country, it's 14 hours of flying and layover time to get there and 14 hours to get back. There just simply was not enough time. And I said, I sure wish we could come. It was a man I'd worked with on staff at our home church for years and years and years. Good man. Loved God. First came to Alaska as a missionary and ended up working with us at the church there for for years, decades. And he passed away, cancer. And they said, uh, we understand you can't come. I said, if you want us to record something, we'll do it. So we recorded some songs on video. Then I met the master. And he makes no mistakes. And I'm sheltered in the arms of God. And as we were driving down the highway last Saturday, I was watching the live stream. Don't do that in the car, by the way. I was listening to it mostly, but every once in a while I'd peek down just to see who all was there. And you know what that funeral was last Saturday for, for my friend Warren McAllister? It was a celebration. Because they knew that at that point, by Saturday, he was far better off than any of the rest of us. And I promise you, today, he's still running around in that new body. Thrilled to death to not be here. And just waiting for his wife and his children to come and join him. Listen, I don't know how long it'll be for any of us. I don't know. But I know what comes next. And I know it's well worth it. Yes, you can live the life of the flesh that ends in destruction. But the payoff for that is hell if you don't know Christ. Hell forever. But you can follow him and trust him and live for him and have your conversation already in heaven. And the payoff is that one day you get to be there in a brand new body forever. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Lord, thank you for the promise that we have of eternal life, not because of our goodness, not because of anything we've done, 
but because of what you've done for us. And that one day you'll change these vile bodies, these sin-cursed bodies that get sick and they get hurt and they die and they get old. And one day, if we know Christ as Savior, we'll get out of this vile body and we'll get a brand new one that never has any of those problems. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful, wonderful promise. God, there might be somebody here tonight who's never trusted Christ as Savior and all they have is this life and the flesh and the things this world has to offer. And they'll have some fun and they'll have some good times. But when this is over, all they have is eternal destruction. God, if there's somebody like that, I pray they'd come get saved tonight. Lord, for each and every saved person, I pray that you would help us to get our focus off of this world and onto those eternal things because we have much to look forward to, much to look forward to. We'll thank you for all that you do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.